me today on the hot dish is a great friend, Senator Debbie Stabenow, who in this uh, in the United States Congress has forgotten more about agriculture than most people ever knew. Um, and uh, I have been watching with um, with amazement at the work that you've been able to do with Growing Climate Solutions Act and the fact that you found a bipartisan path forward for all things climate led, uh, legislation. And so if you could just give us a little background on how that came together, Senator, we'd really appreciate it. Well, Heidi, first let me say it's wonderful to, to be with you. And uh, I'll tell you what, I miss you on the Agriculture Committee and all of your, uh, I'll talk about somebody who, who knows what they're talking about in about rural America and uh, agriculture. Uh, your voice uh, has been and continues to be really, really important. So thank you for that. And as you know, and of course I grew up in a, in a northern Michigan small town uh, rural community. And um, as you know, what we are seeing that, that certainly relates to what's happening on the climate crisis is that farmers who are, um, you know, are and have been the front line in terms of protecting our, our water and our land. I mean, the first environmentalists, I mean, they, they have uh, an awful lot at stake, you know, at preserving our land and water and air. And now they are bearing the brunt of the climate crisis. Uh, and uh, just with the weather fluctuations, I know in Michigan, we, we literally, beginning of the summer, huge droughts, and then it went to flooding. And we have an awful lot of fruits and vegetables and our cherry orchards and apples and, and peaches and so on. You know, they, it warms up too early, the buds come out on the trees, then it freezes again and it kills everything. And so, um, you know, they, they're at the front of the, the spear here. And so I've over the years more and more heard from farmers saying, look, we, we get it. We know that there's a, a climate crisis. We get what's happening in the weather, but we're not sure uh, what our role should be, to, you know, to, and to be able to help with us. And first I tell them already the efforts that you do on conservation uh, are already um, helping to lead on keeping carbon in the ground. And when we're planting trees, we're keeping it in the trees. And, and so the whole effort has been, how do we support them through voluntary producer-led efforts to do more of what they know how to do and want to do. And there's new technology, new research going on. We know with, for instance, our dairy farmers and what, what they can do with uh, methane digesters and, you know, managing manure in a way where you can actually create your own electricity, but keep, keep um, uh, the methane out of the air, which is even more dangerous than carbon when it comes to polluting the atmosphere. So, you know, farmers want to be involved. Yeah, and Senator, this is so weird because if you and I had sat down eight years ago, as we did, and said, can we get, you know, egg from all levels, whether it is the small family farmer or the large egg producers, to actually come together on a bill, bipartisan bill, I would not have given it any chance. But I never count you out in any way. And so I want to say how amazing it is at this point in time in our history that where everything is so partisan that you have been able to broker this deal. And so can you tell our listeners a little bit about how your uh, Climate Solutions Act would 
um, would work for producers and work for the climate. Absolutely. And, you know, um, it's always, you know, uh, there, there are a lot of people involved in this and I appreciate your leadership efforts in the ag community and the production, the, you know, all the commodity groups and so on. But I have to give a shout out to Senator Mike Braun, who is my Republican partner in this. He's from Indiana. I'm from Michigan. We get the Midwest and 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 understand what's happening actually in the Great Lakes all around us. Uh, but so Mike and I were able to come together and then build over time. It was, wasn't easy in the beginning, but build over time uh, the coalition that that we needed. And it's because we said we started with this basic premise. Look, we're not talking about regulations. We're talking about supporting farmers to do more of what they already do and to work with them to give them information and research and technology that will help them be able to sequester more carbon. We, we call it climate smart agriculture and research. And real, so much of what we're talking about are the kinds of, of programs that are already being done, but doing more cover crops, doing more buffer strips, doing more planting of trees, doing, you know, helping create finance, uh, financial opportunities around digesters and, and other things, helping through REAP for farmers to put solar and wind on the farm and uh, use other kinds of technologies. And so we basically got this done by saying, look, we want to set up a pathway through an agency you trust, the USDA, not EPA, USDA, a voluntary effort. We're going to have an advisory committee primarily made up of producers. And then we want to create a system where Farmers may wish to continue to do more around climate smart conservation, which is great. But if they want to take the next step and say, I want to measure the new things I'm doing and how much carbon I'm getting uh, you know, out of the atmosphere, keeping it in the ground. And I want some, I want people with expertise that can tell me that I can count on the way we're going to measure it and that they can sort of give us the good seal of approval here from the USDA that in fact they are uh, creating more carbon sequestration and then give them an opportunity to go in the private market and to sell carbon credits and actually have a revenue stream, make money. And we want to do this in a way where there's not a middleman from Wall Street. It's all about how do we write it for farmers and foresters and help them create additional revenue from doing the right thing. And but have it with integrity, with experts, you know, that um, are going to be able to tell them uh, how it should be done or, or measure it in a way so that they know they can count on the results. So that's what we're talking about. As you know, Debbie, Saxby Chambliss, former senator from Georgia, and I are chairing a, an effort that is um, uh been just absolutely exciting for me and I think exciting for Saxby. And so we're chairing this effort from the Bipolicy and Policy Center um, to look at natural carbon solutions. And a lot of what we're doing is trying to build on the work that you've done. And um, yesterday we had a task force meeting and we had a long conversation about carbon markets and making sure these carbon markets are available to our producers because that we're that, you know there's going to be some costs that'll be associated with changing certain farming practices whether it's digesters or where it's additional trees or you know, putting up solar panels but one of the things that I think we have to get right 
is the integrity. And it's so, I, I think it's so exciting that you have looked to USDA to build that integrity so that there is no question when Amazon or Microsoft wants to buy these credits, that the credits are, are legitimate. But one thing I would say is I think we're a ways away from doing that. And how can we get USDA to really um, do an important moonshot on the work that they're doing to build integrity around these carbon credits? Well, you're right that this is going to be a process, right? A building process to get the expertise, have farmers also um, get the information they need, feel comfortable, get the markets to actually work uh, for farmers and forcers. But the, the first step right now is that as we are looking at uh, major climate and infrastructure legislation, I'm leading the effort to have a major financial investment put into this bill to help agriculture, to help uh, really build up the current kinds of conservation programs we do now, whether it's CRP or CSP or EQIP, you know, all those acronyms that we know so well, or whether it is, um, it, it, you know, how to finance a new uh, methane digester, how to support uh, getting, you know, uh, paying for putting this expertise together at USDA that can help farmers be able to uh, sell carbon credits. So my goal, and we're on a very good track, if we can get this Build Back Better effort done that the president's proposed, um, I am leading the effort to get a substantial investment to help farmers to be able to move forward in the climate space. And one of the things that I'm stressing as well is that you know farmers and foresters uh, can be such a big part of the solution. Uh, this sector of the economy is about 10% of the pollution, about 10% of the carbon pollution. But we've modeled uh, and, and shown working with the National Academies of Science and others that uh, agriculture and forestry can actually be carbon negative, meaning they can pull more out of the of the atmosphere, pull, pull more carbon uh, out in other greenhouse gases than they actually put in and can actually lead as a sector. And the, the National Academy of Sciences has estimated that the work that we're talking about with agriculture and forestry can offset the emissions from about 108 million cars a year. Now, I come from Michigan. We're a car state. I want you to buy a vehicle. <laughs> but, you know, that's a lot of vehicles. And so, mm -hmm. we're, and, and so land-based solutions, nature-based solutions, whatever we want to call them, I think are much more a part of the solution than oftentimes are given credit for. Yeah, one of the things that I wanted to raise with you, Senator, is the fact that, you know, when I was there, you remember we did the expansion of the 45Q tax credits. And a lot of the farmers and producers that I talked to are wondering, you know, where that works for industrial sequestration and carbon capture and utilization, how can we make that tax credit but you know, work for our producers as well. Yes, I, on the tax side, yeah, um, as you know, I'm a member of the the finance committee, and we've got to be looking at all of that um, as we're looking at the the tax credits. And by the way, biofuels as well, mm -hmm. and um, you know, and what we need to be doing, you know, overall um, on this. But the tax piece is the piece that we're looking at as well. 
Well, we're certainly hopeful that 45Q can be expanded in ways that the president has talked about doing, but also that we could think about um, how this could work for um, our ranchers and our producers. And you know, in tough years, they don't have a tax liability, so transferability would be really valuable. Another way for them to uh, capture these tax credits and, and basically uh, provide a stream of revenue as they are being asked to be part of the climate solution. So. I mean, we've got to essentially uh, make sure that if we're using the tax code, it's usable in a year, that the benefit is received even in a year where it's a tough year, right? For, for um, producers and uh, and that they don't have a tax liability. So uh, that's very much a part of the discussion. Well, I'm just really excited about the work that you're doing, Senator, but I, would, I wouldn't be a very good questioner if I didn't ask about the next farm bill and uh, how you guys are thinking about that and uh, how the progress is going. Oh my goodness, Heidi, I'm got, <laughs> we're already talking, we are already looking at the farm bill, even though uh, it is, you know, technically the due date is uh, 2023. But what I think is important to do now, and we'll be doing more uh, oversight hearings later in the year, is to really be listening, listening to farmers, listening to folks that you know, uh, using the commodity programs and crop insurance and conservation and energy programs and so on. How does it work? You know, what can we do better? Um, you know, maybe there's something that we put in that's actually not working and we shouldn't have it in. But, you know, how do we actually streamline, make things work better for producers? I remember 2014 when I last chaired the committee and we did uh, uh, we put in a new regional uh, conservation program, regional partnership program, and uh, to really work with uh, farmers and, and others that wanted, uh, conservation folks and others that wanted to do large scale projects. And we found, it was, I mean, it's a wonderful idea. It's working well now, but you know, about halfway through the first farm bill, we did some hearings and found out, well, it's too much bureaucracy, taking too long to get decisions made. You know, we needed to tighten it up. So we did in 2018, we made it work a whole lot better. And, uh, and that's the kind of thing that we uh, wanna do. I wanna make sure that it, it really makes sense, not just on paper, because it doesn't count on paper. You know, it's it's how it really works for somebody who's out on the front lines every day, giving us the safest, most abundant, affordable food supply in the world, which we need to be thanking them for every day. And, and you know, for us, we have fought so long and hard to make sure that rural America isn't left behind um, in terms of economic development and those rural development programs and rural broadband, so critical and so important to find out what additional things could work for rural communities as well. And I know you always have your eye out for advanced manufacturing and how can we use our ag products in a broader way. Um, you know, Miss Debbie, Debbie doesn't hardly give a speech on advanced manufacturing without talking about eating car seats. 
from soybeans. <laughs> Every Ford vehicle you buy has a uh, a, a Lear seat that is u- using soy-based foam. So you're right. I mean, we, I, you know, when we did the Farm Bill in 2014, I put in this initiative called Grow It Here, Make It Here. And it's all about using corn byproducts, using soy byproducts. You know, there's so much that we can do. And our communities need that for jobs, as you know. I mean, we, we need to be really looking at, at every way we can to leverage um, our um, agricultural production and from fuels to bio-based manufacturing um, to processing, I mean, all of it. And as, as you said, I mean, high-speed internet is critical. And it's one of the things that I'm pleased we've been able to come together around in a bipartisan infrastructure bill uh, because we are woefully inadequate in too many places in terms of connecting folks with high-speed internet. Well, I, I am so grateful that you've been able to join us. And I know um, all of rural America is so grateful for your leadership. I, I think there's a lot of people you they read a lot about in Washington, D.C., and then there's the people who make the make the trains run on time and actually get the job done. And Debbie, I during my time, I'm not ashamed to say I think you're among the top three legislators that I worked with because you knew how to get stuff done. And I am so grateful you're using those talents for rural America and for our ag producers. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Heidi. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I I miss you. I'd love to have you back as a senior leader on our agriculture uh, committee. But I know you're doing wonderful work where you are now. And there's just, you know, we, we've got a lot of challenges, but we've got a lot of opportunity. And, oh, with, know. you know, with if we do things right, if we... If we, you know, value rural communities and uh, lift up and partner with our farmers and ranchers and yeah. foresters, um, you know, we can get beyond, a lot done. Beyond having redheads in common, we are uh, boldly optimistic about rural America and what we can do with the right amount of investment and the creative thinking that is already out there. But the leadership in Washington. Um, that's what you're providing and it will it's it's an essential part of that formula so i'm so grateful and so happy to call you my friend and i hope we get together soon 